You are listening to Tell It From Calvary, a ministry of Calvary Baptist Church, New York City, where we preach Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. The following sermon is by Dr. Ed Stetzer, author, missiologist, and interim teaching pastor at Calvary. For upcoming events and services, visit our website at cbcnyc.org. And now, here is today's message. Hi, everybody. Head Stetzer here, and so good to be able to open God's Word again. We're actually going to be looking at Philippians chapter 4. What a great time we had gathering together in person. We were super blessed to be able to do that. Look forward to doing that again in March. If you weren't able to join us in person, let me encourage you to take those steps. We're gathering carefully, cautiously, uh, and we're experiencing some biblical community that really makes a difference there as well. Today we're going to talk about the final passage of Philippians. It's Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 23. Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 23. And what I want to specifically look at today is the, uh, the the joy of gospel generosity. The joy of gospel generosity. And this is the passage, right? So let's take a look at it. It says, yet It was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus, the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To God our Father, to God and Father, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with you, uh, who are with me, greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Okay, so you kind of see here that this passage is is the closing passage. But and, and we didn't we, we since we were meeting live last week, I wanted to introduce Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. So we talked about the subversive kingdom, and we'll do that a couple of times. We're going to weave a couple of things in. So we're sort of ending Philippians and beginning Matthew together. And today we're going to talk about money. Woohoo! People love to talk about that. Right, um, but but I want to see that money is the side effect, right? It's uh, that multiplication and blessing others and participating with them on mission is the point, and money is the tool that we use to bless and uh, be blessed while on mission. So I want us to see uh, gospel generosity and be challenged. I want us to see gospel generosity and be challenged. That's what we're going to look at today. So just a few things we're going to walk through. You know, we like to walk through as we're kind of coming to the end of the book. We're going to walk through just a couple of more steps through this process. And uh, the next, the, the first thing I want us to see from today's passage is that generosity brings us together. Generosity brings us together. It says this, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only, right? So even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So what we're seeing here is actually some description of the kind of partnership the church at Philippi 
actually had. Now, we talked last, uh, last time in Philippians, not last week, about contentment coming from a practical concern for others. The Philippians were concerned about Paul's welfare, and, uh, and this was kind of amazing considering the type of people uh, who were at Philippi in many ways. Remember, Philippi was a city of what we call expats, expatriates, not dissimilar in New York. So retirees from uh, the Roman legions were there, the Praetorian Guard, some from Octavian's victorious conquest of Rome, were all strategically located in that region because if an attack came, they could be a free, first line of defense, highly motivated, trained to defend their homes and their families, right? So this means that average citizens weren't very wealthy, yet a unique aspect of the city gave them a coveted title, allowed them to be free of taxation. Pretty sweet place to live, right? So it becomes this, this, this financial um, significant place for lots of different reasons, and the, but their, finance, their financial concern for Paul throughout his ministry shows they share his burden, they share, they share a burden with him. They supported him financially, even when it was sacrificial and difficult, uh, and even when cities like Corinth were actually wealthier. So two terms actually here note uh, the Philippians' generosity and how it was kind of lived out towards Paul. One is partnership. Uh, it's actually in it's, it's sig. Um, it's in, in the Greek. It's with as a prefix to koinonia. So it's, it's kind of a, a deep partnership going the same direction. Um, and uh, Paul saw their generosity as working towards and contributing to the spread of the gospel. And also the word trouble is really key. The church wasn't embarrassed or ashamed to identify with Paul in the midst of his trouble. They saw Paul as their missionary, their friend, and felt the weight of his ministry with him. And Paul commends their consistency for giving again, and again, there's actually several passages I want to just kind of walk through real quickly to take a look at what's going on here. Because, um, again, we see generosity brings us together. And we see in First Chronicles, right, this same kind of picture, right? Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly, uh, for with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. So there's a connection between their joy and and their generosity, right? So generosity brings us together, right? So, but let, let's let's not let's not end there. So we see in Acts twenty thirty five, in all things I've shown you that by working hard in the way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He Himself said is more blessed to give than to receive, right? So they're they're we're, we're working together. We're giving to the to the to the hurting to those who struggle. Another passage. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give what he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, so so what we see here is, is a clear connection between the building of this sense of community um, between this unity, right? The consistent theme that Paul has is unity. So generosity brings us together. So now, again, I'm talking about generosity day. We're talking about giving. Um, let me just say that I'm not like, you know, how much people at Calvary give doesn't doesn't like. I'm not I'm not compensated on a sliding scale. There's not a commission. Um, you and I need to give because generosity is one thing that brings us together. Now, in fact, even at the time, if someone were to give, give $100 million to Calvary, 
it would still be important that you and I and one another that we give, we give gener- generos- uh, generously, and we give sacrificially because that generosity brings us together. It's not even equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. We're actually marking our giving by sacrificing one with another. And so Paul says to them, he actually points them to this, says, you shared my trouble. It was kind of you. Um, he says, uh, no church entered in partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. You sent to help my needs again and again. That generosity brought Paul and the Philippians together, and 2,000 years later, it brings the people of Calvary together. Not equal giving, but equal sacrifice, because we can, you know, people have different means and can give at different levels and more. So, so we start with the idea that generosity brings us together, but let's not stop there, right? Because there's more to it here in the passage. Let me go on to point number two in our message. Generosity bears fruit in us and in others. Let's take a look. It says, not that I seek the gift, Paul writes to the church at Philippi, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Interesting phrase, right? I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. So let's let's look at what's going on here. For Paul, gifts are more than a way to meet his needs or the needs of the ministry. They're actually an investment in something greater. So some people might assume, well, Paul was seeking out the gifts, but he actually says, no, 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 no. I, I'm actually seeking out the gift for the blessing it would be to those who give it. So I will tell you, you know, part I lead the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, and one of the strange things that I took up doing is fundraising. And I ask people to give. And I had to sort of get to the place where I was okay with that. Um, and so I might say to somebody, you know, I, I, I've, I've, asked, I've actually asked somebody to give a million dollars. Obviously, that was a person of means. I've actually asked someone to support it $100 a month. And in doing so, I had to get rightly to the place that I – Ask people to give to support the important work of the ministry, right? But because of what it produces in them. So I actually believe in my mind that you are blessed to be able to give and to participate in the ministry of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, right? And what I would say is the same is true, even doubly so, we might say, in supporting the work of a local church ministry. That's where a person's primary giving should be. That's where we should be as as the Calvary family. Our primary giving should be there. Paul is saying that their gift produces in them something significant. And what's the fruit? How does that work? We can see lots of passages in the Bible about the kind of fruit that giving produces. Let me just share a few that I put together here. What's the kind of fruit that giving produces? Let's take a look. It produces gratitude. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says this, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for growing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So you're getting blessed. Your gratitude's going to grow when you have the privilege to give. It's also growing stewardship. Right? We think about Malachi, and bring the full tithe in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven. 
for you and pour down a blessing that is more than uh, there's there's more need. I mean, I, I'm unapologetic. I, I would encourage people to make it a practice to give a proportion of their income, a tithe here, to give a proportion of their income so that their stewardship might grow. One of the great blessings of my life is to is for Don and I to be able to give beyond our tithe, give beyond our tithe to our local church, give beyond our tithe uh, to giving to ministries and more. And in doing so, we know ultimately that we are being blessed, right? Now, now again, we're growing in our stewardship. Here, here's another passage, right? Uh, given will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, we put into your lap. Whereas the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So, so again, it grow, grows in gratitude. Also for God's glory. Um, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all the others. And you know, it's a tricky time. It's a tricky time when we're a church without a pastor, we're a church in the interim, we're a church um, without without using access to our current building. So what can we do? Well, one things we can do is to see generosity at work in our lives, because generosity bears fruit in us and in others. It bears fruit of gratitude, of growing stewardship, and of God's glory. So our gifts and our partnership for the gospel excited others, right, to give glory to God because of our faithfulness. Generous giving gives glory to God. And we see this, right? Let's 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 not leave these passages. I don't want you to think this is just me making this stuff up. Let's take a look at more of these passages, right? Um, why? Because God says, every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. You've been around church for a while. Someone says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. See, God doesn't need our money. He owns everything. But we need to grow in generosity. And that's why Paul's focusing on them, the benefit to them. Um, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so having all sufficiency in all things at all times. You may abound in every good work, as it is written. He who has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Again, when we give, we give to people in need, what a difference it makes. It says in 2 Corinthians, they will glorify God because their submission flowing from your confession again and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Remember I said early on, so repeat of this passage, but your contribution for them and for all others. So we see... This beautiful picture in our generosity here that Paul is commending at the end, and he says generosity bears fruit in us and in others. Okay, so let's look at number three, Uh, because generosity also, and this is a key thing for us as well, building our generosity, generosity um, builds our trust in God, builds our trust in God. It says this, um, I have received full payment and more. This is Paul writing to the church at Philippi what they had sent. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus, if you've been walking through the book of Philippians with us, you know Epaphroditus is an example he uses that he kind of reflects the character of Christ, but also related to the gift. Having received from Epaphroditus, and if you want more on that, just listen to the past series at our website, a, a, a gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Look at that last verse, verse 19. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Okay, so remember that passage is one of those refrigerator verses, kind of famous passage, famous verse, and people will see that passage and... um 
I, I think we don't want to take it out of context, but it's a little more used in context than that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? So, but it's a reminder, we can't give out of our own strength. We give because Jesus first gave to us. God supplies every need according to his riches, which means consistent with his purposes. So it's not name it, kind of claim it. It's not a misunderstanding or a misuse of this verse, but confidence that God's going to take care of us. He's going to provide for us in accordance to our need. Does that mean that people throughout history have not been poor and struggled and more, but in the midst of, no, in the midst of their poverty, they still found God's grace? Now, why? Well, again, let's look back to the gospel as our motivation here as well. It says this, uh, he who did not spare his own son but gave him for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? There's a promise of his presence. Now, now I would say to you, because um, we, when we talk about this, a couple times we've had this conversation, and when we talk about these things, someone in the um, after-service chat, I really want to encourage you to, I'm going to address this more in the after-service Zoom, and I want to encourage you to stay over or link back in for the after-service Zoom conversation. Because I want to address, because it's a pretty consistent question. All right, so how then, I mean, we see Christians in history who have um, starved to death, been persecuted and more. They suffered sometimes because of persecution. Sometimes they suffered because of want or need. How do we reconcile these two things? I'm going I'm to address that afterwards. But I want you to see the normative practice is that God provides for his people according to his riches and glory. When we recognize we've been given all things, that then compels us to give sacrificially and meaningfully. Um, it produces a thankfulness and appreciation, a major reliance on God's Spirit to sustain us and supply all our needs. And he often does so in powerful ways. I, I remember when Don and I moved to the inner city of Buffalo, New York, to plant a church among the urban poor. We moved there. We started our life over there. We sold pretty much all our possessions except a couch, a chair her dad had given us, my books, and um, everything else, pretty much everything else. We moved to Buffalo. We rented a truck. We didn't have any money. We just felt God calling us. Moved into the inner city of Buffalo, New York, among the urban poor. It was in the crack epidemic of the late 80s, early 90s. Um, we, we needed uh, about $1,100 to return the truck, to pay our, but we just stepped out in faith, to pay our deposits, to get moved in. And um, we trusted the Lord. We didn't have anything. I ended up eventually getting a job as a contractor um, and planning a church on the weekend. And yet we prayed and said, Lord, we, we don't want to go into debt when we started this. And uh, we needed to get, get this all settled by Friday. And what was interesting was God in his goodness and grace had a plan. So um we, on Friday, needed to do this, turn this in, and we were praying, Lord, provide, Lord, provide, Lord, provide. We stepped out in faith, and um, and I would be very cautious to to think through all those things, but we just knew the Lord wanted us to. And we were there driving up Wednesday, and on Wednesday in another place, a church felt burdened to pray for us. And then they felt burdened on a Wednesday night to take up an offering for us. And then they felt burdened to send that offering the next morning, to send it overnight so we would receive it in our new location, our new house, new apartment. And so Friday morning, we got overnighted a check for $1,100. I think it was $1,118.27, their offering. We took that $18.27, went to Ponderosa, and had a big, nice dinner that night. But God provided for our needs. Now, here's the thing. If we, um, I debated, I've had a bunch of illustrations in here from George Mueller and from Spurgeon and from others. 
And I didn't want to go through all those because I'm going to talk afterwards about how we see this in relationship to where people struggle in poverty. But I want you to hear the phrase I'm using, that the normal pattern that God uses is outside of our normal experience. The normal pattern that God uses outside of our normal experience that God provides, sometimes miraculously, according to his riches and glory. And sometimes this can be misunderstood because then people say, well, I'm going to pray for a jet. I'm going to pray for whatever, and people use this in inappropriate ways. And that's where the caution comes in, right? It's a reminder to us that ultimately the, uh, the, the, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But the normal practice is that God works in ways that are not normal, in supernatural ways, provides for our needs according to his riches and glory. By the way, also that verse says, the love of money, not money itself, Jesus cares about your heart and your finances, um, but he cares about your heart more and first. And where your heart is, the resources will flow from and will flow to. So understanding and loving Jesus really changes our perception of money because it releases, um, it releases us from being mine to it being God's. Right When money is God's, it releases us from its control over us and helps us to be controlled by Jesus and a trust in God. And his work on the cross is, is, is Christ's work on the cross is central to us to walk that way. Because again, what we see is, is you know, sometimes people say, you know, when I, when I grew up, um, when I, where I grew up on uh, Long Island, that we'd go to church on Christmas and Easter, just Christmas and Easter, not much, maybe not even always then. And I'd always be shocked by some of the, the worst people in the community. Uh, sometimes I, I actually think of per, per, personally someone involved in organized crime. And they'd show up at church on Christmas and Easter, give lots of money, and somehow that was made okay, their organized crime. And I just reminded that it, the Lord says, I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. You can come, bring all the burnt offerings, bring all the other things that you want, but at the end of the day, um, if there's not a love for the Lord, all of those things are for naught. Which leads us to the fourth thing on our message today. The fourth point is that generosity brings glory to God. Generosity brings glory to God. To God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then there's some closing words here at the book as well. Uh, greet every saint in, Christ, in Jesus Christ. I love that. I'm going to come. To, I'm going to deal with the generosity in just a minute. But let's look at the closing words. The brothers who are with me greet you. Remember Paul traveled with the man of missionaries. All the saints greet you. So he's bringing greetings from churches all around the world, especially those of Caesar's household. So there's actually now Christians in the household of the emperor Caesar of Rome. And then it ends with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. We're going to focus in on the phrase to God, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, that is kind of a standard greeting that we actually saw in the New Testament time, but I don't want you to miss... um, because we've been pursuing now this idea for months. We're wrapping up Philippians today. Months about the partnership in the gospel together. I thought it a fitting end to end the last point of the series with this title. Generosity, right, brings glory to God. So um, how, see how it focuses on God's glory in verse 20? To God, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Then it focuses, don't miss this, right? Because it's all about Jesus, focuses on God. See how it focuses on getting every saint in verse 21? This means that we need to be a local church that welcomes one another. See how it focuses on brothers and sisters, saints sending their greetings in verses 21 and 22? That means even though we're a local church, 
We're partnered together with saints from all around the world. You know, the first time that I was planning to speak at Calvary was our missions conference. So, um, and, and I love that in our missions conference, and because we participate all around the world, and what a great even missions conference we had, even in the midst of a global pandemic. So we can relate to this passage, right? We can say, to God be the glory, to God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Let's do that. we got to do that in person. Last week, we're going to do that in person again. Let's do it in the Zoom after service. Then there are people who we're supporting and partnering with, right? we got to focus on them. Um, and then all around the world, we greet, especially those of Caesar's household. But I wanted you not to miss how the book of Philippians begins and how it ends, right? So we saw this when we began, and we started going through the book here. And it starts with verse 2. Remember, it starts actually with verse 1, as Paul and Timothy, uh, to all the saints, Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi, including the, the elders and deacons. So we started, the church, the elders and deacons. And then verse 2, grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? That's, where, that's, that, 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 that's how it starts. That's where, that's where it begins. And then we flip over, and we can actually see where it ends. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So this journey through Philippians has been uh, a great journey for us. And I want to encourage you um, to remember it. It, it, it. it begins in grace in Philippians 1-2. It ends in grace in Philippians 4-23. The beginning and ending of our partnership together in the gospel comes from Jesus' grace and his work on the cross for our sins and in our place. So I want to encourage you, um, as we, uh, we're going to talk more about this question of God's provision afterwards. So I want you to come back and join us in that conversation, that after-service conversation. But what I want to say to you today, what I hope you'll clearly hear uh, me articulate today, is that um, God's grace is what frames and shapes this partnership. We are a on a gospel, a joyful gospel journey together in God's grace. God's grace is getting us through the hard time of the pandemic and the challenging times of being without a pastor and being in this building craziness and not meeting all the time. But ultimately, Jesus' grace is enough. So as we look through this passage, um, and it's, it's, a, it's a great passage, don't just, just, just skip through the endings, right? Because we see this partnership, the joy of gospel generosity. So maybe the Lord spoke to you today. And this is an opportunity for you to um, refocus on gospel generosity. Let the Lord speak to you on that. I want to encourage you to um, support a local church ministry that is Calvary. This is We've got important work to do. God's grace is working through us. There's more to be done, and we need your giving and your partnership to do that. Maybe a bigger reminder is that we're on this journey together. And throughout the book of Philippians, we heard about their challenges, their division, but we also said how they work together. Remember that video I showed? gosh, weeks ago, where I said, it's been an honor to serve with you. It's been an honor serving with you. That's what I want us to say to one another, and that's what the book of Philippians reminds us. But ultimately, it's a joyful journey of gospel partnership, gospel partnership that's shaped by God's grace. So if you're joining us and you're not sure that you're a follower of Jesus, you're not sure if you've received by grace and through faith the good news of the gospel, I want to invite you to actually do that, to take that moment to respond to God's goodness, grace, and more. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to continue to walk in that grace. This message about generosity, maybe that's where the Lord's speaking to you, but throughout the book of Philippians, it might be in unity, it might be in gospel partnership, or more. Let's pray together.
Lord, I do pray that we might respond to your goodness. We might believe in, in obedience and walk in your grace. Father, I pray for those who may not know you, that even now, maybe you, uh, maybe someone invited them, maybe, maybe they visited with us last week, Lord, but as you speak to hearts, I pray that you draw them to yourself. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to receive the good news, the good news of the gospel, you can pray with me in a simple moment here and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. I trust and follow you, Jesus. Father, I pray for those who may have just prayed that prayer, that, Father, you give them just a bit of boldness to share with us before they even leave today, online or by phone, so we can continue to minister to them. And Father, I pray for those of us who maybe you're speaking about generosity in this passage. I pray for your people that we might be faithful in our giving, that our tithes and offerings might bring glory to you as we go on this gospel journey, this partnership together. And I pray that throughout the book of Philippians, Lord, as you spoke to us in different ways, that we continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name and for his sake that we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Tell It From Calvary. If you feel led to give toward the local, national, and global ministries of Calvary Baptist, please visit cbcnyc.org slash give or call us at 212 212- Nine seven five zero one seven zero. We hope you join us next time as we continue to tell it from Calvary.